0: hi EPC family, hope you're enjoying your nice warm summer Sunday. Remember there are three ways to follow us on Facebook. First, at Evangel Pentecostal Church. Second, for Kids Ministry, you can follow our Facebook page, EPC Kids Ministry. And for our youth group, you can follow EPC Student Ministry please continue to reach out to us with prayer requests and we will add them to the list for our Zoom prayer meetings, which happen at 11 a.m. each Sunday. All right, I hope to see you all soon. Stay safe, stay healthy. Bye, guys. Good morning,
1: Evangel. We're so grateful that we can worship together, even in our own living rooms. And we invite you to sing with us. We're singing about amazing grace cannot understand fully, but let's give it a chance to be able to rejoice together about that amazing grace this morning.
2: One of the things that I have missed the most during this quarantine time and not being able to gather as a congregation is sharing communion with the community of faith here at Evangel. And so this morning we are going to worship together by celebrating communion. And because so much of church services and events have been you observing watching and listening, today I'm inviting you to participate with us. And so I want you to be a part of the readings with us, to be a part of participating in communion with us. I want to begin today by us together reading the Apostles' Creed. So can you please, you'll see it on the screen, read along with me, would you? It says, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. In Luke chapter 22, verses 14 to 16, it says, When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table. And he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. A little further in chapter 22, verse 19, it says, And he took bread gave thanks and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Can we take the bread together this morning? Can we break it together? And can we participate? Father, we give thanks today for your Son, Jesus, who the Apostle Paul says is a gift too wonderful for words. We accept the provision of his broken body this morning and we celebrate it as we partake of this bread. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. Let's eat together. In Luke chapter 22 verse 20 it says, "In the same way, after supper he took the cup, saying," This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Let's take the cup. Father, we are thankful for the shed blood of Jesus, that it is shed for the forgiveness of our sins. Lord, as we participate in this cup today, by drinking from this cup, may we be reminded of your incredible sacrifice and grace shown to us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's drink together. I would like to conclude our brief communion service this morning by reading the Lord's Prayer together. Would you join me as we say it? Our Father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, for ever and ever. Amen.
0: Good morning. Today's reading is taken from Joshua chapter 2, verses 8 to 15. Before the spies went to sleep for the night, Rahab went up to the roof. She said to them, I know the Lord has given this land to your people. You frighten us very much. Everyone living in this land is terribly afraid of you because we have heard how the Lord dried up the Red Sea when you came out of Egypt. We have heard how you destroyed the two Amorite kings who lived east of the Jordan. When we heard this, we were very frightened. Now our men are afraid to fight you, because the Lord your God rules the heavens above and the earth below. So now, promise me before the Lord that you will show kindness to my family, just as I showed kindness to you. Give me some proof that you will do this. Allow my father, mother, brothers, sisters, and all of their families to live save us from death the men agreed and said it will be our lives for your lives if you don't tell anyone what we are doing when the lord gives us the land we will be kind and true to you the house rahab lived in was built on the city wall so she used a rope to let the men down through a window may god add his blessing to this reading of his holy word.
2: Good morning, everyone. Today is going to be the fourth message in our sermon series, Finding Faith, based on Hebrews chapter 11. In Hebrews chapter 11, the author sets out to select some of the great heroes of Old Testament history, referencing how faith motivated and led them forward regardless of their circumstances. So far, we have considered Abraham and Moses as people of faith, two very prominent and two unquestioned heroes of faith that we find in the Old Testament. As we approach today's example, I'm reminded of a song from when I was a child and would watch Sesame Street. Perhaps you remember this song too. One of these
1: things is not like the others. One of these things doesn't belong. Can you tell which thing is not like the other by the time I finish this song?
2: Today we're going to consider someone who appears to not be like the others. Someone who most would think does not even belong in the list found in Hebrews chapter 11. Rahab. Now, while we may have trouble accepting Rahab into the Hebrews chapter 11 faith hall of fame, God certainly didn't. In fact, not only is she listed in Hebrews chapter 11 as a hero of faith, she is listed as being part of the lineage of Jesus, the Messiah, in Matthew chapter 1. In James chapter 2, James explains that Rahab was a person of faith because she believed in God and acted upon her faith by trusting in God. Rahab teaches us this. Our past does not disqualify us from becoming a person of faith and making a significant impact for the kingdom of God in the future. I want to begin today by looking at Rahab's past. The Israelites had wandered in the desert for 40 years under Moses' leadership. The book of Joshua begins with a new era of leadership, and it's now time to enter into the long-anticipated promised land. Just across the Jordan River was the city of Jericho. It was a fortress city, an obstacle to God's plan. Jericho would need to be defeated if the Israelites were going to successfully enter into their new land. Joshua decided to secretly send two spies across the Jordan River to Jericho to scout out the area. Two spies were sent in and through a series of events we are introduced to a woman named Rahab. Jericho was located in Canaan. The people there worshipped Baal. Being an inhabitant of Canaan meant that Rahab herself would have worshipped Baal. In addition, Rahab was a prostitute in Jericho. The language and other supporting historical documents suggest that she would have most likely run an inn. It was not uncommon for a prostitute to operate an inn since it provided a location to practice their trade. It made sense that the spies would go to her inn. They were disguised as travelers and needed a place to stay. It was not unusual for strange men to stay at the inn going there would not draw attention that anything unusual was happening it's important for us to note that the text in no way suggests that the men were there to avail of her services it appears that word of the israelites and the god of the israelites had made its way to the land of canaan rahab knew about egypt she knew that god had dried up the red sea and that they walked over on dry land she knew about the military victories they had as they made their way through the wilderness. She confessed that knowledge of these events had caused great fear in the hearts of her people as they too were aware of all that God had done for Israel. The people of Jericho looking across the Jordan could see the vast number of Israelites advancing towards them. They were discouraged. They had lost heart. They knew it was not in the ability of the Israelites that brought the victory. It was somehow connected to their God. It appears as if God already has Rahab's attention. She is intrigued by this God. She is intrigued by the works that he has done. The second thing I want us to consider is Rahab's present The spies' attempt to remain undetected didn't last long. The king was informed about the two strangers. This was not good news. The citizens were living in terror of these Israelites as it was. Now the thoughts of them infiltrating their city brought great fear. Some reported that strange men were seen entering the house of Rahab. So the king sent his men there to investigate. Flat roofs during these days were used for drying stalks of grain, and so Rahab took the men to the roof and hid them under the stalks. When the king's men arrived, she told them that they had been there earlier, but they had left before the city gates had closed for the night. She encouraged them to go after them quickly before they had a chance to escape. She wanted to avoid having her house searched. If they found the men, she and the spies Would be killed. So the men left immediately to search out the whereabouts of these strangers. Rahab didn't need to hide these men. She could have turned them over with no harm to her. But she feared God more than she feared the king and his army. And she made a couple of interesting statements. She said, I know the Lord has given you this land. It didn't happen yet, but she knew it was coming. And secondly, she said the Lord your God is God in heaven, above, and on earth below. She is confessing that Yahweh, the God of the Israelites, is the one true God. Not Baal, not the other gods that were worshipped in her culture, but the God of Israel. She didn't want to be destroyed when the city was destroyed. She wanted her family to be saved. So she struck a deal with the spies because she had shown kindness to them by protecting them. They should in turn do the same by protecting her and her family. And so they agreed to preserve her and her family when the city was conquered and they laid out the details of how the rescue would take place. A scarlet cord or rope would hang from the window and her whole family should be gathered inside her house only. And all of this was based on this whole arrangement being kept a secret. And she agreed. Third thing I want us to look at this morning is Rahab's future. The city gates were closed when the time came for the men to leave. Rahab's house was located in the city wall, so she lowered the men through her window down to the ground below. When the time came to attack, God made a path through the Jordan River and the Israelites crossed over once again on dry land to the other side. They followed God's specific instructions, marching around the city, seeing the walls crumble. Rahab did exactly what the spies had asked. She hung the scarlet rope in the window. Her family had gathered inside there, and she had kept it a secret. As a result, her and her family were spared. In Hebrews 11, Rahab is called A woman of faith she chose to trust in God when others around her did not when Rahab asked for kindness for her family and herself she wasn't asking for anything more than to be a prisoner but eventually she was assimilated into the nation of Israel and in time she married an Israelite named Salmon in Matthew 1 in the genealogy of Jesus we read Salmon the father of Boaz whose mother was Rahab. Now this, this is a dramatic example of grace. Not because of her character, not because she deserved it, but simply because of God's grace. She was an outsider. She was unworthy, she was immoral, a liar with very little knowledge about God. But God had a future for her, a future beyond what she could have ever dreamed it could be. When my children were little, I would often come home and announce that I had a surprise for them. Before committing to celebrating, they would often seek clarification. Daddy, is it a good surprise? And once I assured them that it was a good surprise, well, because you know, a father always wants to give good gifts to his children. They would celebrate even before they received the surprise. I love, that our Heavenly Father loves to surprise us with good surprises. I love this passage of Scripture today, and I love it because it's a good surprise that a woman with a colored past who is unworthy is not only rescued, but is lavished upon, given opportunities that she didn't deserve outside of the miraculous grace of God. God's grace never ceases to surprise me, even after a lifetime of experiencing it. There are two things that I'm surprised by that I want to focus on as I conclude this morning. The first is, I'm surprised by his grace for others. I have literally spent my entire life being a part of a church. The church that I grew up in was filled with wonderful people who cared about me sincerely, who invested in me, prayed for me, cared for me, but my church was very legalistic. I grew up focusing on what I couldn't do, where I couldn't go, who I couldn't spend time with, what we as a church were against, all in an attempt to protect what the church deemed threatening to any desire for holiness. Even today, we sometimes focus more on who is not allowed to join us rather than welcoming everyone for the exact same reason, fear. Our fear of being influenced by the world has resulted in many rules being created to protect us. The truth is, the Pharisees and religious leaders of Jesus' day did the very same thing, resulting in a heavy burden of legalism, a lack of God's grace being shown to those who needed it most. Just when we think we have it all figured out, just when we think that we have all of the defenses securely in place, just when we think we have all the answers, just when we think we've locked the doors tight so no one can get in, God appears in the room and shows us something that completely destroys what we have built. He includes a former prostitute in the lineage of Jesus the Messiah, Who would be known as the son of David, David, that once adulterous and murdering king? He encounters a murderous prosecutor and persecutor on the road to Damascus and changes Saul to Paul, who subsequently takes the gospel to the Gentile world and writes a significant portion of the New Testament. The same God who eats with sinners welcomes tax collectors, heals the marginalized and undeserving, defends the accused, and even forgives a thief on a cross knowing there's nothing the thief could do to serve him beyond the next few moments. And then, to put the icing on the cake, he poured his Holy Spirit out on Jews and Gentiles alike. He met a eunuch, that had been turned away from the temple because of his sexual condition, met him on the road instead and changed his life. We likely should never be surprised by God's grace, a grace for undeserving people that is sometimes so shocking that we don't know what to do with it. I don't want to resist God's surprise of grace for the undeserving. I want to embrace it For the full joy that the gift is meant to provide. I am surprised by God's grace for others, but folks, it's a good surprise. Secondly, I am surprised by God's grace for me. Three years ago, we adopted a dog. Her name is Zoe. And to be honest, to this day, I'm not really sure how it happened. I do remember sitting in the backyard with my family. I picture being circulated, baby talk about how cute she was, and the next thing I knew, Zoe was living with us on a two-week probationary period. I was traveling during the two-week probationary period and was delighted to receive long texts daily from home about how difficult Zoe was and how this was clearly not going to be a permanent arrangement, not a good arrangement for our home. That is, however, until the text became shorter and shorter and the tone shifted from frustration to support. I knew before I got home that the cement had already set and Zoe was going to be a permanent member of our family. I knew it. On one hand, zoe is sweet cuddly loving loyal a real little buddy on the other hand she has some significant dysfunction she'll eat your food in a minute if you look away she'll chew your arm off if you try to get it back she barks incessantly when anyone wants to leave the house so many dysfunctions zoe is a perfect balance of love and dysfunction these days god has been using zoe as a means to show me that in reality i'm not much different that despite my dysfunction and flaws he sees the part of me that he values and lavishes his love on me every day God surprises me with a level of love and grace that I clearly don't deserve. And if you don't believe that, all you have to do is ask those who have been quarantined in a house with me since March. I don't know why God loves me as he does. I don't know why God surprises me with his grace every single day. I am surprised by God's love and grace for me. And I want you to know this morning, it's a good surprise. It's a good surprise. The story of Rahab reminds us that our past does not disqualify us from becoming a person of faith and making a significant impact for the kingdom of God in the future. And so folks, in light of this, Let's live our lives basking in the surprises of God's love and grace for others and the surprises of God's love and grace for us. Heavenly Father, I am so grateful today for your love and grace in my life. And I am grateful today for the love and grace that you surprise so many around me with. Lord, as your follower today, I ask that I would never be an obstacle to your love, grace, and acceptance, but would be an instrument to demonstrate it not only in my own life, but to help others experience it as well. For those who may be a part of this service today, who may be struggling with their value, their worth in your eyes, the mistakes that they've made, the decisions that they've made, the things that they've done, would you remind them today of your love and grace for them, that you have a future for us, that we can be people of grace in the future, despite how we may have lived in the past. We ask this today in Jesus' name. Amen.